Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to our replacement radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there to my actual left, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well today. Um, this is our last episode in the uh, class era uh, yeah. of our time at Springfield College, which is pretty wild. Yeah, I had my I had my second to last class ever today. I'm sure I think you did as well, right? I think I had my last. I don't think my class is meeting tomorrow. Oh, so, so you had your last class today? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And what a, what and a it run! Last, it lasted about 20 minutes. Nice. <laughs> we we did a kahoot. Yeah. yeah, I I'm not I'm not really sentimental about my not to get off track here, but I'm not I haven't really gotten sentimental about my classes because I'm not taking any. No, CUS not about trip. classes. I, I had my last class in. Uh, Wiser 007 today, which, you know, if you're a part of the COSJ major at Springfield College, you understand the significance, not just of the building, but of that room. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really get sentimental, but I kind of just was like, man, this is it. This is my last class in here. I'd, I'd have gotten more sentimental if it wasn't contemporary applications of math. That's fair. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm a s- sports journalism major, but I'm getting into sports analytics minor. And, you know, I'm not really passionate about those classes. Yeah. Seminar in sports analytics is cool, but, um, yeah, I'm not, I, you know, if it was in 007, I probably would have been, I, I probably would have soaked in the moment a little more. Yeah. But well, I, I mean, you're going to be there in an hour. You can, you can do it then. Yeah. Yeah. And then on Wednesday too. Yep. Um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, it, we're last podcast of the class era. You know, if you didn't know. This uh, this all started in on Springfield College campus in the radio studio on uh, October first, twenty nineteen. Did and uh, and yeah, we were uh, not even a month into our freshman years, um, and now uh, yeah, now now closing up on college. So yeah, quite the quite the experience here for sure. Uh, I don't plan on we don't plan on stopping the podcast after we graduate. Just for reference, yeah. I mean, we obviously have this whole season. Uh, and then we have to get jobs. Yeah, which is kind of weird. Why do we? Why do we have to do that? Yeah, you know, I I'd like to delay adulthood a little bit more, but for sure. But yeah, you know, gotta gotta do that. Type I of I stuff. am actually. Uh, I am delaying by two months. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's, it's still you're still doing. Yeah. You're still being productive. I will still be working. Yes. Um. So anyway, uh, the baseball world, uh, keeps keeps on revolving keeps on going um one sort of headline that uh captured the baseball world in a way uh came on friday night uh jacob Degrom comes out of his start um with three and two-thirds innings pitched under his belt you know not a high pitch count but he comes out there was a little kind of twitch after a pitch or something uh trainers came out and they're calling it forearm tightness which is not what you want to hear. Uh, what did you think of uh, of this injury news? Yeah, it's certainly not what you want to hear. Forearm tightness is, I mean, it's elbow inflammation too, which elbow means, you know, it doesn't mean Tommy John surgery, but that's what you would need to have hurt for that. Um, 
I don't want to assume the worst about Jacob DeGrom. It would really, really, really suck to lose him to that. Um, as of right now, there's no timetable for his return. Uh, they just put him on the 15-day IL. Um, so we'll have to see, you know, what uh, what's going to happen. But we really don't know. Um, I hate when negative narratives about, like, very good players, like, keep reoccurring. Yeah. You know, because I think, you know, the narrative around Jacob DeGrom has been like, oh, well, he's going to be great, but then he's going to get hurt. Uh, and this is not the first time that he's had to leave a start uh, early because of an injury this year. It's the second time he's done it. Thankfully, the first start uh, turned out to be fine, or, at least, or so he thought. Um, but he left this Yankees start after, I think, three and a third, where, you know, he was not performing bad. He didn't give up a run. And, uh, yeah, it was it sucks. It's really unfortunate. Yeah, it's definitely unfortunate considering, yeah, like, I would argue Jacob deGrom is the greatest talent we've seen on a mound ever. Uh, just, like, you know, I don't think in any era ever there was a guy um, averaging 99 on his fastball, locating the way he... The, locating the way he does along with having three other lethal um, off-speed off pitches to go with that. And, you know, just, yeah, the numbers explain them explain themselves away. He had a, in 92 innings in 2021, he had a 1-2-4 FIP. Like, you just don't see that ever in er- any era. And, you know, obviously baseball evolves, so players get better as they go along. Sorry, uh, Super 70 Sports, but that's, that's <laughs> just the case. That's how it happens. Um so yeah, like it it's a real shame. And like thank God we got to see what he was capable of in, in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen and you know the also twenty twenty and the first half of twenty twenty one. But yeah, it's really sucked. Um I guess the only sort of optimism you can really have about this is um in twenty twenty one what what kept him on the sidelines was also a forearm slash elbow injury, which I guess can lead to pessimism because it took him out for a good period of time. But he also had that issue and he didn't have have to end up getting a major surgery on it. Um, I think he got uh, some sort of surgery on it, but it, he didn't obviously mm-hmm. didn't get the uh, the old TJ. No. Um, so I guess that's something you could be optimistic about. Yeah, it is something that you could be. Um, at this point, it's kind of just a wait and see process. Um, you know, 15 day IL isn't good. Um, but as of right now, it could be worse. Yeah. Which that's not to say that it won't get worse, but as of right now, in this present moment on at 11.03 AM Eastern time on May 1st, 2023, the year of our Lord, it could be worse. Yes, it, uh, it definitely could be, um, for sure, for sure. And, uh, and yeah, I, I wonder if it, like, it's a weird thing where I wonder if it's a, thing where it's just like it's too good to be true like you can't be this guy that averages 99 on his, on his fastball like 92 on his slider 90 on his changeup. you know do all that be a spectacular just athlete on the mound and also you know pitch 180 innings a year yeah like, it's maybe it's just not possible especially you know the way DeGrom's uh you know DeGrom's body is built he's not uh, a bigger guy by any stretch. He's 180 pounds. Um, I know. I think there's a slight link to you know guys not necessarily having that bodily support system under them, and uh, there being like a correlation to arm injuries and and whatnot. Um, but that's 
That's mostly what I've heard from Dr. Josh Heenan, but uh, that's that's kind of the only source I have on that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, and anything more on the uh, Degrom injury? Um, I mean, there's not. I don't think there's too much to say other than what was already said. Um, yeah, there's no timetable. Uh, thankfully, I think the Rangers' rotation is deep enough to where they will survive without him. Um, it obviously isn't ideal because he had been he had been dealing this year. I mean, he had been awesome, no doubt. Um, but you know they they can still do all right. Although, you know the Mariners just had a big weekend in Toronto. The uh, Angels can make a run at any point. The Astros are the Astros, so you know they have a lot to fend off in that division. Yeah, I, I guess it does make uh, it does make Rangers fans a little happier that they went out and signed the amount of starting pitchers they did yep. with Avaldi, uh, who's looked very very good. Yeah. Um, along with Andrew Heaney, and then also re-signing Martin Perez, who was uh, really really good last year, and uh, you know they had a they had great last year but you know that's a that's a good core of starting pitchers that they have um along with a decent bullpen to 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 go with that and uh you know a deeper and deeper lineup as they go along um so yeah i i mean the rangers didn't they didn't come into the they didn't come into the season thinking oh yeah degrom's gonna give us 200 innings no problem yeah you know they knew the risks they knew the potential factors with him and uh, I think you know organizationally they adjusted for it so Mm -hmm. good for them Um, we'll see how uh, we'll see how it turns out obviously it'll be a lot harder uh, to win more games without without DeGrom but you know it's a as we've seen before it's it's uh, step by step yeah I'm certainly hoping for a speedy recovery I'm yeah I, I don't know I mean it's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I'm also. I don't, I don't think there's there's that much to say on this other than like, well, you know, it was in the back of everyone's minds for since the moment he signed with that club. Yeah. Um, and yeah, now we just gotta hope that it's just a 15 day thing or as little as it could be. Could be. Right. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I certainly am. I am the uh, owner of him in our F4 league. Yes. Um, <laughs> but. There's a reason why he was a sixth rounder and not a second rounder mm-hmm. um, because of things like this potentially happening yep. and occurring. All right. Well, um, that's it for DeGrom. Um, so for team, for, for teams, you know, we each, each, uh, each, each uh, standing, like each, uh, each episode here, we kind of, go over teams that are doing maybe hot or cold. Um, And I don't know. I feel like there's just, there's a division that's really just been popping off here and it's the AL East. Every team is above 500. It's May right now. Every team is above 500. And, you know, with the Orioles doing how well they are, that kind of throws a wrench into the mix of how competitive this will, this division will be. Um, Like, how are we supposed to really outlook this division moving forward with how good, you know, no one's fell off so far. Yeah. I mean, no one's fell off, but, uh, if you wanted to point to anyone, the Yankees have struggled a little bit in their last, uh, few games. I don't know. I'll have to check the exact record, but, uh, you know, I mean, Aaron judge is now on the day to day list. He had a, a slight injury, hopefully just a slight injury because, uh, you know, that's kind of all it takes to wreck this entire club. Um, 
They're 15 and 14 right now. They just got smoked by the Rangers this weekend. They lost three of four. Um, they had lost the series to the Twins before as well. I think they've lost their last three series now uh, um, against the Blue Jays, Twins, and now Rangers. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's because they were doing. They I remember them being a lot further above 500 before this. Yes, they absolutely. Well, because they had won. They were the last team to lose a series, um, but they had never swept. They were always. They would always win two out of three, split a two game, split a four gamer, uh, stuff like that. But at the one point they were like six and zero in like rubber matches or something like that. Right. They were crazy when it came down to the series. Um, but yeah, their last three series they've struggled. Yeah, they've lost uh, six out of eight here. Um, yeah, I mean like lost a series to the Twins. That's not typically the Yankees' way. No, they. It's the first time the Twins won the season series since two thousand one. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's no joke. Uh. Yeah, I don't know if you saw this, but they told Byron Buxton, like they told him in the cl- in the locker room afterwards, and he had this like very funny reaction because he had not known, but they were like, "Yeah, by the way, you just won the season series against the Yankees for the first time since '01," and he was like, "Oh my god, like I was six years old <laughs> or something like that." It was very funny. That is very funny. Yeah, I yeah, I think I I think I saw that, but brushed over. I I didn't see the full video, but yeah, it yeah, that's wild that the that the Yankees um yeah that might be the biggest red flag yeah uh because i mean the Yankees have had some questionable teams over the last you know few years like you could point to any lineup from like the 2013 to 14 seasons mm-hmm. uh things were weird you know they had a couple years in there where they missed the playoffs but i mean the one constant was well you know you're going to have those games against the twins yeah the Yankees yeah. have not had those games against the twins they went what 3 and 4 against them yeah yeah Right, 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 um, right. Jokes aside, though, I am, you know, I, I was a little worried this year. The reason I didn't have them winning the division is I was worrying. I think they were relying a little too much on breakouts from guys like Volpe, from Peraza, from Oswaldo Cabrera. And I do like Volpe so far. I think he's doing a lot of things right, and the rest will come. Um, but, you know, he has, what, like an OPS in the 600s right now? Yeah, probably. But... Anytime he does anything, it's a huge deal. So I no, just, it is. I just I assume it. I just assume he has like a nine hundred OPS yeah. and like eleven 1, hundred stolen bases. No, he has a he has a fourteen percent walk rate. Uh, and that's pretty, he has that's pretty nice. And he has eight stolen bases. Um, yeah, he's slashing two seventeen, three thirty three, three thirty seven for a six seventy OPS. Uh, he has good defensive numbers and good base running numbers. His problem is that he's hitting too many fly balls and he doesn't have a high exit velocity. Yeah. Like it's a pretty let me let me pull up the actual numbers real quick. But that's you know, that's the only that's if if you're looking for any analysis on Anthony Volpe and why he has a ninety OPS plus, uh he has okay, his X velocity is actually up to eighty nine. It's gotten better. But his fly ball rate is thirty seven point seven percent. Uh his ground ball rate is only thirty four point four percent. Um so he is hitting the ball harder because his exit velocity definitely was lower, like probably two weeks ago or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, like his expected batting average is fifth percentile. Expected slugging is seventh percentile. That's because he's hitting a lot of soft fly balls. Uh, yeah. There's, there's not much else, not much other need to read into that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like normally hitting the ball on the ground is a is a negative, but you know he has eighty fourth percentile sprint speed. Yeah, he has the speed to be able to help help himself out in that department so um it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have the ball on the ground rather than hit soft fly balls yeah i mean i think it's i mean it's an easy fix to find 
I mean, I you know I can't say it's going to be easy to just fix the the batted ball profile or mm-hmm. the you know he's obviously he, either he has to hit the ball harder or he has to hit the ball more on the ground or at least less in the air. Uh, you know, it's an easy thing to identify, and I think the Yankees will figure it out with him. They're they're usually pretty good at stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I know that's my mini assessment on Anthony Volpe. Yeah. But like Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswaldo Cabrera has struggled this year. Peraza hasn't looked great. Uh, you know, those are guys that are still, in a way, adjusting to major league pitching. So, yeah, you know, rel- having an over reliance on guys like that, it's tough, especially when like Judge is hurt, Bader is hurt. You know, you have to put IKF in center field. That's not good. They're giving Aaron Hicks regular playing time. That's not good. Um, yeah. One narrative that has been sparking lately is that like a lot of former Yankees are dominating this season, like Sonny Gray. Uh, has like one of the best strikeout rates. He's like among the top of the F four leaderboards. Joey Gallo has an OPS above a thousand. Um, Aroldis Chapman ha- is dominating with the Royals, but I'm not too moved by that one. Um, and there was another one too. Uh, Jorge Mateo with the Orioles. Uh, although he didn't play too much with the Yankees at the major league level. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a lot of conversations on Twitter, and I thought this was interesting. How like. Yankee fans berate their own players, you know, when they aren't performing to their expectation, and it has a very real effect uh, of the players' performance on the field. And you see a lot of these players leave New York and thrive when they couldn't uh, perform well in the Bronx. And I'm like, it, I think it's actually interesting because I, I do wonder if this is a very real thing or if it's just, uh, I don't want to say a coincidence, especially with Chapman. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not buying that he's going to be that good for the whole year. Um, and also, I think he kind of deserved a lot of the booze that he got yeah um not just for performance reasons but for you know i think we all know what i'm talking about um i don't know what what are your thoughts on that um i don't know i like uh i think i think for every every player that you know leaves and does well i think there's a also a good amount of players that like come to new york and also thrive there like yeah. i don't know matt carpenter yeah matt year. carpenter last year you know i'm i'm just looking at the roster here but like dj lemay he wasn't yep. he wasn't an mvp candidate before coming to the bronx but you know he, he came to the bronx and he now is anthony rizzo is is like kind of turned back the clock a little bit too uh garrett cole kind of yeah. goes without saying yeah garrett cole's you know done well here i mean he did better with houston so far but but so far this year, he's yeah. done unbelievable. Nestor Cortez. Yeah, and I mean, also, like, I think my, main, my main, you know, the, the struggle with the Yankees has been the injuries and the rotation. You know, like, you know, we were expecting Cole, Rodon, uh, you know, Cortez, Severino, uh, and Montas. And, you know, Montas has been out this year. Rodon is still out. I don't think he's throwing yet. And Severino, we were, he was only supposed to miss one start. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've had to give like Clark Schmidt regular starts in the rotation, uh, and he hasn't looked too good. Johnny Burrito looked good for a couple starts, but now he's kind of regressed back down to earth. Domingo Herman, uh, another guy that you know deserves the booze. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one like absolutely legit like you can't deny that playing. You know, in Yankee Stadium and having the fans boo him every day had a clear effect. Was Joey Gallo? Yeah, that's that's one I can definitely. Agree I mean, with. he he talked about he was very candid talking about uh, his experience in New York, and he said that like people would harass him on the streets, like yeah, and he was afraid to leave his apartment. And and just performance wise, like you can just look at the numbers. He went from being you know a mid eight hundreds, maybe nine hundred OPS guy with with Texas in twenty twenty one to you know being sub 800 and eventually like sub 700 OPS guy 
with New York and striking out more, hitting less home runs. Um, like uh, his performance went way down and, you know, he didn't necessarily bounce back too hard with the Dodgers last year, but so far with Minnesota, he's looking very good, as you yeah. mentioned. Um, you know, I, I, I had concerns with the Yankees at the beginning of the year, like I mentioned. You know, they went 35-35 and 35 in the second half last year, and that was with Aaron Judge turning into prime Barry Bonds. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. imagine if Aaron Judge wasn't carrying the entire team and he had, like, half the production. He had, like, a 158 weighted runs created plus right. still, like, an MVP-type performance. Like, that's still probably four or five less wins. Yeah, and... and- these were the concerns we raised about why we weren't having the Yankees as division winners uh, mm-hmm. coming into this year. Because, you know, one thing I mentioned was that uh, Aaron Judge could be an MVP caliber player this year and still be worth three to four wins less than he was last year. Yep. Um, and then along with that, you know, who knew if like Nestor Cortez was going to repeat the same success as he did last year or Anthony Rizzo is going to repeat the same success um, or even like, yeah, Oswaldo Cabrera late in the year last year or Jose Trevino, you know, Jose Trevino, like there were a lot of players that did like really, really well um, last year that were due for a little bit of a, that were due for a little bit of regression. And, you know, with other teams, that was not the case. The Rays were due to do better and the, Blue Jays are due to do a little bit better, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've seen that so far from those particular teams this season. And we've seen that regression from the Yankees so far this season. Albeit, you know, we're talking on May 1st here. However, you know, the the things we were concerned about have kind of happened. and And we see that with the, you know, judges out of the lineup right now. And before that, Judge was a good player, but he was, he he didn't have a two. He was exactly what you're, you know, what you were hypothetical uh, well, yeah. well, the hypothetical you were putting out, an MVP caliber player, but still three to four wins less than yes. last year. Yeah, he he did not have a 210 OPS <laughs> yeah. plus uh, to, you know, to start this year. He could still end up, you know, going off after uh, after this injury goes away. Absolutely. But but like with with this plus a few games missed, um, you know, the, the Yankees are hovering 500. Uh, you know, you can't have <laughs> you can't rely on Judge being. 100% better than the average hitter in baseball. Um, that's, you know... That's incredibly unsustainable. Incredibly unsustainable. Um, so, yeah, like, when... With all those factors, it makes a little more sense. And being in the uh, competitive division that they're in, you know, it makes sense that out of the gate right now, only a game above 500, you know, obviously that'll that'll probably change over time. But uh, the thing that I'm most concerned about is... They have seven games against the Rays in the next two weeks. Uh, yeah, right. Like you know, we you always say you can't win a division in April, but you could lose it. Let's be blunt: the Yankees could lose the division in the next two weeks. Right. It's yeah. a very real. Uh, the Rays, admittedly, have not. I mean, there's been a small sample size. They haven't played the good teams very well. They lost the series to the Astros uh, and the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays, exactly. Those are like the two, you know very good teams they've played. I mean, they've played, you know, Oakland, Detroit, the Reds, the Nationals, uh, the White Sox this weekend. They they lost a game they should have won yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not ready to call the Rays, you know, like unstoppable um, because pretty clearly they have some flaws and they get exposed 
granted in the small sample size where they play teams that have expectations. So I'm not ready to call it where like, okay, yeah, the Yankees are going 0 for 7, they're going 1 for 6, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But certainly, you know, the Yankees are already 8 games out of the division right now. It's not impossible to to believe, you know, if they if they lose 5 out of 7, it's it's a long way up from there. Right, right. And and that's why that's why I kind of wanted to look at this division because there's so many possibilities here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Orioles are literally in second place right now and are, you know, have uh, you know, they've won more than twice the games they've lost at a, with a 19 and 9 record. Never mind the Blue Jays at 18 and 10, like they just had a 6-game win streak that just got snapped uh, by a very in a very competitive game with the Mariners, but they still won that series against the Mariners. They've won a series against the Yankees. They've won a series against the Rays. And, you know, they're currently eight eight games above 500 on May 1st. So, you know, the Blue Jays obviously should be looked out for. The Rays, you know, they're, (laughs) you know, that's obviously they're not going to keep up this whatever 131 pace they have right now but uh you know they have they have some things to look out for they've they've seen some they've done great at at beating the teams that they've that they should have um and beating the teams that are at or below their level um but yeah like with the blue jays and astros they've lost those series so you know they're, they're obviously not perfect so um yeah the the al east race is going to be something else the the Orioles, I know with the Orioles particularly, I think they have the hardest strength of schedule remaining. Yeah, um, I believe it. They've barely played anyone in the division. Yeah, and... Uh, haven't played the Rays, haven't played the Blue Jays. They've played the Yankees and Red Sox. they played the Red Sox twice, and they're 3-3 three and three against the Red Sox. Okay, Blue Jays and Orioles have the same exact strength of schedule remaining, um, according to tankathon.com. Shout out to them. Yep. But uh, they... Both have the exact same difficulty in schedule remaining, which are number one and number two. I love looking at this and seeing the pirates on everyone's list. Yeah, for, I, for toughest opponents. I don't like how they organize it. They should have just like the most games of like the bad teams, because when you face, yeah, because when you face a team three times, it shouldn't like. Be it should that much take more precedent over a be- over a slightly less team thirteen times. Yeah. Uh, real quick, back to the Yankees. Uh, they're they clearly they have some pretty clear depth problems. Um, with Judge being out, Stanton being out as well, uh, they've given 366 plate appearances this year to Oswaldo Cabrera, Franchi Cordero, Willie Calhoun, Isaiah Connor, Falefa, Aaron Hicks, Kyle Higashioka, and Oswald Peraza. All of them have an OPS plus below 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's 366 out of a uh, thousand forty-four plate appearances. That is thirty-five percent of plate appearances that have gone to guys with an OPS plus below sixty. Yeah, and that and that goes with that kind of narrative you were talking about with the Angels. Well, particularly with the Yankees before the season, I th- think you mentioned that Aaron Judge in the second half had more WAR than the other combined Yankees position players. Yep. So th- that means two different things. Judge was insane. Was insane, and second of all, the the rest of the Yankees sort of lacked in um, in in skill or production. Um, you know, with guys not having great second halves, that's part of the reason why they were kind of a five hundred team after uh, after the All Star break. So, so yeah, there's with with Judge again not being not having a 
a season that's that could be considered the best since like the Bonds era. Yeah, you know what's you know that, what's funny that I'm kind that of makes things harder for the Yankees. You know what's funny that I'm kind of just realizing now. Uh, Clark Schmidt, who has a 6.84 ERA and a 5.55 FIP, has a better strikeout to walk ratio than Garrett Cole. Uh oh, it's, he must like walk like point five guys per nine or something. Right? Uh, two point five. The, their oh, wow. walk rates are are pretty much identical. Cole's is two point four. Schmidt's is two point five, but Schmidt has eleven point five strikeouts per nine, and Cole has nine point seven. Wow. Yeah, just it's just fun. Like, that's that's a fun thing. That that's a you know it's that's why context matters. Like there are there are good stats, but also you need to look at other stats to, uh, to see the full picture. Right. Yeah. Because if I'm just looking at strikeout to rock ratio, it looks like Clark Schmidt's the better pitcher. But in right. fact, you need to also look at, you know, home runs per nine, uh, and that I mean that tells you most then, of that tells you most of the end of the story. By the way, the uh, the ERA pluses in the Yankees rotation are extremely funny. It's going from the bottom up. It's uh, 79, 64, 79, 89, 395. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's wild. That's that, pretty fun. That is wild, and yeah, the. Home run per nine is 0. 0.8, 2.5, 2.4, 1.6, 0.0. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, fun stuff there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Yankees technically in uh, last place right now. Um, tied. Tied with the Boston Red Sox, who are really just... Boston Red Sox are really just a toxic relationship. Yeah, I feel like it's gone kind of exactly as expected because my, yeah. my assessment of this team was like, they could be interesting. Yeah. And that's still how I feel. Like, you know, I'm not ready to say they're going to be great. I'm not ready to say they suck. I'm still, like, like clinging on to them. They could be interesting. They are about as fun to watch as they are stressful to watch. Yep. Um, you don't know what you you don't know what to expect on a given day. A starter could go seven shutout or... Two innings, seven earned runs yeah, allowed. Every starter can do that. Every starter has that Chris, ability. Chris Sale has been like the perfect microcosm of the season. Like yes. if you look at his last like probably four starts or so, uh, his 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 ERA against non division opponents is like actually very good. Uh, That's pretty which is solid. also a microcosm of the Red Sox. I think they had like a 600 winning percentage last year against non division opponents. Yeah, and that's a team that finished six games below 500 overall. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, wild. If, if you look at Chris Sale's last four starts, four innings pitched, seven hits, six six runs, five earned, two walks, six, or six strikeouts, a home run against Tampa. Not a good start. I mean, you, you could hope for better. A lot of that was in one inning, too. April 18th against Minnesota, six innings pitched, three hits, one run, two walks, 11 strikeouts. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. April 24th against the Orioles, five innings pitched, nine hits, five runs, one walk, zero strikeouts, two swings and misses. Yeah. Wow, he needs to retire. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. Yesterday against Cleveland, six and a third, three hits, one run, zero walks, and five strikeouts. We back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah it, that's, that's, and that's been that times five. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. also with the offense, it's like, oh, Masataki Yoshida is – is the worst hitter of all time. Oh wait, now he's actually now he's actually the future of the Boston Red Sox yeah. franchise. You uh, know the, the Red Sox. You know the tweet where it's like the masculine urge to say like we're so back twenty minutes after saying it's <laughs> over. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, they're they're fun and interesting for sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, I I will say I definitely am having fun. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> it sucks, 
at it's at times, but I am overall having fun. Right. It's like because for as talk ma- to me tomorrow when it sucks again, though. For as many times as because they are playing the Blue Jays this week. Yeah, for as many times as I'm like, man, Bo- you know, it would be nice to have Bogarts. I'm also like, oh man, Yoshida and. K- Kenley Jansen in the back of this bullpen yeah. is so awesome. Yeah. Well, Kenley had a blown save the other day, but it was all BABIP. Yeah. Like, I, I think it was literally three singles, one of them being an infield single where Arroyo, like, took a weird route and, like, didn't field cleanly, and they counted it as a hit because it didn't, like, roll off his glove. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, So, like, I wasn't moved by that at all. Right, right. But, like, yeah, it's it's a weird, weird, interesting team. So, everyone's doing... Everyone's doing. Everyone's above five hundred right now. The Blue Jays are turning it up. Um, they did lose a tough one yesterday, but yeah. Who like? Who do we think is rising? Who do we think is falling? Who do we think is staying in the same position? I mean, if we're talking recency, I think pretty clearly the Yankees are falling and the Blue Jays are rising. Uh, the Blue Jays are. What are they? In their last X amount of games. Well, they just snapped a six. Win, uh, winning streak. Six, six game win streak. Six game win streak. Yeah, yeah, and it was a game they should have won. Yeah. Um, and and they were facing uh Chicago, Southside Chicago, and yeah. uh, and also the Mariners who were they they've gone from twelve and eight to after this loss eighteen and ten. So that's what six and two. Yeah. And it could easily be seven and one. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Blue Jays are, you know, they're they're looking good. Right, right. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, so it's May first right now. Um, on on June first, how differently do you think we're looking at this division? Oh man, I mean, I gotta think there's a team that's under five hundred. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. What's the? I I feel like I need to check every team's like divisional schedule. Because the Blue Jays and Red Sox are playing this week, which means the Blue Jays will absolutely right. sweep. It is it is kind of unfair to ask that not knowing the Blue what Jays the do have are. a the Blue Jays have a tough schedule this month. Uh, so they have the red they have the Red Sox for four, which not tough for them. Um, yeah. Then they then they travel to Pittsburgh for the weekend. That's that you know that's a good team. They play the Phillies for two. Probably the worst team they're going to face in this span is the Phillies. And they then they're home against the Braves. They're home against the Yankees for four. They're home against the Orioles, and they go to Tampa. Uh, and then they uh, sorry, and then it continues. They go to Minnesota, also a good team, and they finish out the month home against Milwaukee. So that that's a good schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's good competition. Tampa Bay has Pittsburgh on the docket. That's going to be a great series. <laughs> the Yankees, uh, Orioles, Yankees, Mets, uh, Brewers, and then Toronto. And then uh, the Dodgers, Cubs, Red Sox. Okay, yeah, and then it's June. But um, and I'm going to pull up Baltimore. So, so, yeah, at the moment, the Rays are four and a half up on the Blue Jays. Um, they're... They're eight up on the Red Sox and the Yankees. They are uh, three and a half. Yeah, three and a half up on the Orioles. Um, Orioles are, are closest to that. Yeah. I imagine. I would have to imagine the Orioles fall off a little bit from where they are now. From 19 and 9, I would imagine. Uh, they do have a definitely easier schedule than Toronto. So they have three at Kansas City this week. 
that's definitely the easiest opponent they have. Then they are uh, then they go to Atlanta for three. Good team. They are home against Tampa. Goes without saying. Uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, they play at home. That's a good team. Then they go to a- L.A. for four. They have a they have a four game West Coast trip. Or no, sorry, no, they're home against the Angels. I'm I'm incorrect in my assessment. They are home against the Angels for four, uh, which is probably the second weakest opponent that they have. Then they go to Toronto. They go to New York. They are home against Texas, and they finish off the month home against Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. So I think the Yankees have a have a tough. I th- yeah, I think based on what I'm hearing and how teams should be doing, I, I feel like the Rays will keep the division lead for the next month. Yeah. Um, I think the Orioles might fall below Toronto, um, but I think the Orioles will stay above uh, the Yankees. Red Sox, I think, will probably be in around the same place they are now, probably around 500 toward the bottom of the division. Um, the Yankees. Uh, you have the Yankees, or do you want me to read off that one too? Um, I don't know. I I feel like with the, all I'll the just, names, I'll just, I'll just go with the highlights. They have seven against Tampa. They have four uh, at Toronto, uh, but they also have three at home against Oakland. I mean, that's yeah as free as it gets. Yeah. Um, they also have they have Cleveland coming in this week. They go to Cincinnati. Um, they're also home against the Padres. That'll be a fun one. And then they finish the month uh, on the road in Seattle. Uh, and they also enter June facing the Dodgers for three. I feel like each team has has like their battle tests. And, yeah, and then also their their freebies. You know, yeah, their freebies. Uh, I'll I'll also like kind of skim the Red Sox too, just so we acknowledged every every team in the East and what they got going for them. Right. So the Red Sox have Toronto coming in this week. Like I mentioned, that's a four game sweep. Uh, then they go to Philly this weekend. They face the Braves for two. They're home against the Cardinals. They're home against the Mariners. They are on the road against the Padres. When was the last time the Padres came to Fenway? Um, Every time they face the Padres, they're in San Diego. Yeah, I feel like it was 2013. It was literally 2013. With Johnny Gomes yep. and the, the home That's runs. crazy. That's hilarious. Uh, and they are in... Uh, so they have a West Coast trip. They face the Padres, Angels, and Diamondbacks on the road. And they're home against the Reds. So, yeah, same thing. They have their good teams. They have their their teams that they should beat. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, you would assume that one team would fall below five hundred, especially with the amount of divisional play, because it does seem like every team has a decent amount of that this month. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it might be just realistically the the Red Sox being that team. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just they have a pretty. I, but I could also see like if the Yankees. First of all, I mean, if they lose, let's say. And this is obviously a very hypothetical. Let's say the Yankees lose four to five out of seven against Tampa, and then they also lose the series to Oakland. That's all in the next two weeks, and that could just completely, like morale-wise, just drag them down. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Because I mean, yeah, you you look at Oakland on the schedule, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's a win, probably a sweep. You don't know. Yeah, I mean, you, you, know, you don't know. Like we're gonna get a lot of this wrong, and it's like, oh, actually, the A's actually swept the Yankees at home, believe it or not. Yeah. Which. I don't think will happen, but you know that's kind of how the sport works sometimes. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And they go face the Rays, and maybe hey, maybe they get swept by Oakland, and then they beat the Rays six out of seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can be so random, but yeah, those two. We- I think these next two weeks will really determine a lot for the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot, you know, sort of a decent amount on the line. Um, we'll see where Judge is at health wise because we know how 
big he is to that lineup, I mean, he's literally that's, big. That's why he's the most valuable player, <laughs> because when when he's gone, his team is bad, but when he's there, his team is good, unlike Shohei Otani, where if he's there, the team's bad, and if he's not there, the team's bad. <laughs> yeah. Man, if only there was this, like, stat that, that <laughs> gave... That just placed like a rep- like sort of like a bench guy, yeah, uh, like an the, IKF type, like a bench guy in the role of the player that you're you're evaluating, and mm-hmm. saw like how many t- how many less wins would this team have if not for this guy we're talking about? Yeah, if only there were like like this replacement, even player. like even like a couple different ways of evaluating that specific form that specific stat. Yeah, if only like yeah, there were there were just. Like, hey, you know, this pitcher, he has got a good ERA. Let's evaluate based on that. Oh, this pitcher, he has a really good FIP. Let's evaluate based off of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If only there was, like, a way to just see just how including many... Including, like, ballpark adjustments, positional adjustments. Right. Like, how many wins you're... How many wins like, yeah, you okay, bring dude, you're to hitting, the table? It's like, yeah, okay, dude, you're hitting well, but you're a first baseman. Yeah. Like, what's the shortstop doing? Yeah. Like, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, how many wins do you bring compared to, like, a bench guy? Like, yeah. a replacement someone, level player? Someone please go invent that. Yeah. Can can we can we get can we get someone on that? Bill can James? We, can we make it easier by ma- giving it an acronym that's, like, a real word? Yeah, true. True. Yeah, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Like, like, raw. Yeah. Yeah. Um... What's his raw at? Yeah, his his replacement uh, assumed wins. Yes, yeah, yeah, I think that's a great idea, personally. Um, so yeah, you're listening to uh, Above Replacement Radio. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, that does it for AL East talk. Uh, that's a really good division, probably the most fun to outlook, um, considering the level of the level of talent at on every team and. The fact that the worst team is probably, uh, you know, a 500 team uh, or should be at that point. But now we will move on to players to highlight for good and bad reasons. Um, We will start with the good by talking about our um, it is it is Monday, May 1st, 2023 edition of. Who do you have for us today? So for my how about that, I am talking about Hunter Green. Oh, wait, no. Sorry, Hunter Brown. I'm colorblind. I can't tell the difference. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking a victory lap here, and I am talking about Hunter Brown of the Houston Astros. In 30 and a third innings pitched, he is a 2.37 ERA and a 2.54 FIP. His 1.1 F4 ranks tied for 12th in the majors. He is one of just three qualified starters that has yet to give up a home run. The other two are Garrett Cole and Sonny Gray, two people we've mentioned earlier in this pod. Uh, He is now throwing his slider 35.8% of the time after only throwing it 13.3% of the time in 2022. And it makes sense why he's doing that, because his slider has an average pitch velocity of 92 miles an hour, making it the fastest slider in the majors among the 229 qualifiers. He's actually 0.2 miles per hour above Jacob deGrom, uh, who's known for having a very you know high-velocity slider, but Hunter Brown actually outdoes him. Uh, during his April 15th start against the Rangers this year, he threw 19 sliders that reached 93 miles per hour. That is the most that anyone in American League history has thrown in a single game. 
don't look at where it would rank him in National League history, because <laughs> Jacob DeGrom alone is, yeah. he has like 15 of them. Um, 13.3% of his batted balls have had a launch angle below negative 35 degrees, below negative 35 degrees. That is the second highest rate among the 148 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls allowed this season. The only one with more is Josh Fleming of the Rays. Uh, He is also the first pitcher since 1991 with no home runs allowed in their first 12 games, minimum 50 innings pitched in those 12 games, uh, which is pretty cool. And lastly, uh, since he debuted last year, 65.9% of his batted balls have been either ground balls or pop-ups. And that is the highest rate among the 142 pitchers with at least 100 batted balls allowed in that span. He is .1 against his teammate Framber Valdez, who famously has a 1 million percent ground ball rate. Uh, So Hunter Brown, he is striking a lot of guys out. He's not walking people. He's yet to give up a home run in his career. He has... A very ideal batted ball profile, and that slider. Uh, not only do it be sliding, but it be moving. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Hunter Brown. How about that? Very well done. Very well done. I learned a lot about Hunter Brown in, uh, in that segment. Indeed. Um, my how about that? We could have we done this, you know, like three weeks ago. But he, he, he keeps on rolling, and... Um, you know, I I was thinking about doing a different guy, but he because like we've already done this team, but the other guy also is a yep. guy f- from a team we've done before. But uh, I just want to acknowledge him because also he was sort of a meme uh, with yep. us uh, talking about James Outman, yeah, uh, of the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, who just is he's that he's that new guy who just came out of nowhere and is just <laughs> raking for the Dodgers. Uh, he's 26 years old. He's in his rookie year right now, and he's been absolutely killing it pretty much all year. Uh, James Outman in 109 plate appearances this year. He is hitting 292 with a 991 OPS and a 161 OPS plus. Uh, over the whole season, he ranks sixth in slugging, sixth in OPS, and fifth in F or. Um, and that has a lot to do with, you know, him being fifth in F4 also has a lot to do with his very good defense, which um, ranks very high as well, uh, along with his spectacular offense. He is in the 93rd percentile in barrel rate, 71st percentile in chase rate, and also in the 92nd percentile in outs above average. You know, as I mentioned, very, very good defense. Uh, James Outman also has a 41.7% sweet spot rate, which is 27th highest out of 215 hitters with 50 plus batted balls this year. And uh, when James Outman makes contact, he slugs 983, which ranks fourth out of 215 batters. Um, What the uh, specific pitch that Outman has been absolutely murdering is the changeup. He has seen 57 changeups and is hitting 462 with a 1231 slugging against them. Uh, out of 60 hitters to see 50-plus changeups this year, James Outman's slugging is the highest by 164 points, is above third highest by 302 points, and is above fourth highest by 453 points. So it goes like 1231, I think 1067, then 929, then 778. Like that's that's the list out of 60. Yeah. And James Outman is, is far and above the rest of the competition when it comes to hitting changeups. Uh, he's been absolutely unbelievable um, against all pitches, but especially the changeup. And yeah, that's why that's why he's been uh, the fifth best player, f- fifth best position player in baseball according to uh, according to FanGraphs. According so, to Raw, 
according to Raw. So, uh, so yeah, James Outman, um, a long time coming, getting a... We were just waiting for the right sample. Yeah, yeah, and and we did a Dodger first episode, so we wanted to get some more teams off the yeah, list. Miguel Vargas has like a 422 OPS since, <laughs> since I highlighted him. The, those the the first ones are always the best ones. Yeah, dude, <laughs> Kyle Isbell. Yeah, Julian Julian Merriweather. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I forget. Um, Eduardo I, Escobar for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, Jeffrey Springs already. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. Unfortunately, yeah, I, yeah. The, my first, how about that? Um, this year was Adam Duvall, so yeah, sort yeah, of the, there you under go. the same line. You um, also have Lett, because I always do. Well, you had Jose Barrios for one of yours, I think. I, that's that's like Which... the only one I'm remembering right now. Twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. Yeah, I yeah. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that Chris has beef with. Yeah, yeah. No, the, <laughs> the guy. The guy really screwed me up mentally and. <laughs> physically um all right so now we go from the highs to the lows we're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming for our uh, monday may 1st 2023 edition of slightly alarming uh who do you have for us today so i guess you could say that i'm you know kind of hitting a guy while he's down this guy went viral over the weekend for uh not hustling out an infield ground ball uh but Luis robert has actually been struggling in more than just that play since april 10th he is slashing 119 192 209 for a 401 ops and an 11 weighted runs created plus that obp ops and weighted runs created plus are the worst among qualifiers in that span uh additionally in this span he has an average exit velocity of 82.2 miles per hour and that is the 16th lowest among the 286 hitters with at least 25 batted balls in this span. Uh, before this span, he had a sweet spot rate of 53.3%. Uh, over a larger sample, that would lead the league. In this span, it is 26.7%. Over a larger sample, that would be the last in the league. Even when he hits it in the sweet spot, though, he has an average exit velocity of 84.4 miles per hour. And that is the sixth lowest uh, on the sweet spot on that same list of 286. So he's not hitting the ball well, but even when he does, he's not hitting the ball well. There's yeah. just no other way of putting it. Uh, his ground ball rate before this span was 23.3%. And I actually mentioned a couple episodes ago, Jay, or, uh Luis Robert was kind of the one guy on the White Sox that wasn't hitting more ground balls. Uh, the problem, of course, is that he's actually hitting the ball uh, less hard, so it doesn't even really matter. But in this span, he has a 51.1% ground ball rate, which is above the league average. And also, his you know he's never been good with walk-to-strikeout ratio, but uh, during this span, he has a called strike and whiff percent of 33.5%. That means over a third of his pitches of the pitches thrown to him have been called strikes or swings and misses. That is tied for the ninth highest rate among 183 qualifiers. Uh, Luis Robert, there's no other way to put it. He is not hitting the ball well. He's not hitting the ball hard, and we know how much power he has, but he is not to playing it at all yeah uh luis robert luis robert slightly alarming um yeah uh yeah i i'm glad uh yeah i i was thinking about doing him didn't do him so i'm glad you you uh you highlighted him because yeah he was he's been literally the worst hitter in baseball yes um and yeah he did get highlighted (laughs) for other reasons Mm -hmm. um allegedly he had a hamstring problem, which was why he was playing more conservative. Um, 
still, I mean, that ground ball was a tough look. That's that's a media. I think that's what yeah you say to the media. Yeah, you don't say, yeah, no, I just didn't feel like running it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Same exact thing happened with uh, Gary Sanchez. Although he did end up, I think, going on the IL. Yeah. Um. But also, who knows? Yeah, I mean, maybe he is playing with a bad hamstring, but still, right. I mean, that's uh, with the state that your team is currently in, you you gotta run that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if he didn't know that. Especially as a guy that's still pre-arb. Right. Yeah. To be fair, I don't really know any context where it's okay to do I've, that. Well, I think because you can't be like, oh, Manny Machado didn't hustle out a ground ball. Well, you know what? He's Manny Machado. I think but he already has an not. extension under his. He does. Belt. He got one before he he played. Yeah, yeah, he did. You're right. That's that's on me. I forgot. It was a long time ago. He and it got extended before he played a single game. Yeah, him and uh, Eloy. I mean, yeah, like I said, there's no context in which uh, that's acceptable by any contract standards. But, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that can... You're still kind of a guy that has to prove yourself. Yeah, that that narrative can be changed. I think we've seen that with uh, Cody Bellinger. Like, I remember in 2018, he was benched for not hustling. And yep. And ended he up being the, didn't he like win the Heart and Hustle Award that year too? Um, I don't, I don't like remember. For his team, I don't remember. There was there was definitely somebody at some point that were like, because they they decide the Heart and Hustle Awards for each team in like July. Yeah, and like a guy won it, and then like two weeks later got benched for not hustling out a ground ball. Well, I, I know, I know. Um, yeah, I know. Like the day after Sanchez, Gary Sanchez had that. Um, like ran down the line slow and hit into a double play, or like oh, jogged yeah. it out. The day after Austin Romine, his like backup catcher, got the Hart yep. Nussel Award. Yeah, but that that's the, that's what I remember. I do remember that play. It was against yeah, it was the double play where like the Orioles or whoever was like bobbled it. The Rays. The Rays, yeah. yeah. At Tropicana. Yeah, I also remember the Gary Sanchez the play against the Mets where like he kind of lazily tagged the runner and he ended up being safe. Mm. Uh, when the throw beat him by a mile, the throw beat him by a mile. <laughs> it's from the uh, the Pirates Braves. <laughs> Shout out to Foolish Baseball. Yeah, um, my slightly alarming, um, you know, kind of going with the theme of the episode goes into the Bronx, uh, and maybe it's unfair to put a slightly alarming on this guy because he didn't necessarily have, have expectations, have a super high, um, a super large resume heading into this year however he caught a lot of attention late last year uh, and i'm talking about oswaldo cabrera um, after having a 984 ops in his final 22 games last year and capturing the hearts of those in the bronx and the hustles and the hustles he uh, is currently hitting 200 with a 516 ops you know not great for a guy who they're giving regular starting playing time and who they expected to have a larger role in their outfield um, out of 181 qualifiers this season, Oswaldo Cabrera's on-base percentage is second worst, slugging is seventh worst, OPS is fourth worst, and his, his expected WOBA is in the third percentile in all of baseball. And what's weird about Oswaldo Cabrera is he's actually hitting the ball two and a half miles per hour harder on average than he was last year, and he is striking out 4.8 percentage points less. Uh, his problem is, um, if you didn't do the math yourself, is he's uh, hitting the ball at, at worse angles, hitting more ground balls, hitting more high fly balls, uh, less line drives. And uh, in fact, his sweet spot rate has gone from 41.1% to 
41.1% last year to 25.0% this year. Out of 215 hitters with 50-plus batted balls this year, his sweet spot rate is 15th lowest. His ground ball rate has gone from 30.4% to 51.5%, an over 20% increase in ground ball rate. His line drive rate has also gone from 25.0% to 11.8%. Out of 215 hitters, Oswaldo Cabrera's line drive rate is third lowest. So uh, he's definitely not hitting the ball in, at the right angles, uh, and it's causing him to not get a lot of hits and not get really any power. He only has uh, one home run right now and only a 200 average leading to a uh, 516 OPS at the moment, um, which is fourth worst in all of baseball at the moment. So uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, after finishing last year hot, uh, so far this year, um, so yeah, that does it for, um, players to highlight. We can briefly do, uh, a little preview of the week ahead, maybe just some highlights of, uh, of different series to watch and, and, uh, day I'll, by day. uh, I'll just, you could just do that and then head out and I'll, I'll finish up. Oh wait, no, you're going to need your laptop. I, yeah, yeah. I think I'll need my laptop. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. Um, but I can show up to this meeting a little late. You know, it's my last one. <laughs> um, but what are they going to do? Kick me out? Um, <laughs> but uh, for series to watch, um, we have a, a playoff rematch between the Yankees and Guardians. Um, you know, Guardians have been underperforming. Yankees have also been underperforming. So who we'll see uh, who comes out on top in that one. Um, and then uh, Dodgers-Phillies. Phillies are doing a little bit better as of late. So that's cool. Um and that will be happening over in, over at the Chavez Ravine, um, and yeah, uh, not not too many great series. Uh, the other series you could look out for is Rangers Diamondbacks, who are two teams that you could are fun two two fun teams that uh, are doing a little bit better than maybe slightly better than expectations so far this year. Uh, what do you got for some day-by-day matchups? Yeah, I'll try to breeze through these quickly. So on Monday, Spencer Strider will be going for the in the first end of the doubleheader for the Braves against the Mets. The Mets famously need a retractable roof, according to John Heyman. Yeah. Uh, Cubs Nationals, Drew Smiley versus Mackenzie Gore, a couple lefties that have been doing very well this year. Uh, Cal Quantrill versus Dingo, Domingo Herman in Yankees Guardians in the Bronx. Jose Barrios versus Corey Kluber at Fenway in Red Sox Blue Jays. Ross Stripling versus uh, Luis Garcia in Giants Astros in Houston. Uh, Blake Snell, you already know what his line's going to look like tonight against the Reds in San Diego. Get ready for that four and two thirds inning pitched. Uh, one earned run, five walks, five strikeouts, 110 pitches thrown. And then Phillies. Dodgers, you got Taiwan Walker versus Tony Gonsolin. Matchup of the night comes from the second end of the Mets-Braves doubleheader. It's going to be Charlie Morton versus Tyler McGill. And then on Tuesday, not a lot's announced on Tuesday, but Sandy Alcantara is going for the Marlins against the Braves. Hayden Wesneski is facing the Nationals for the Cubs in Washington. Tanner Beebe, who made his Major League debut and looked good in his first outing for the Guardians, will be going off against Garrett Cole. That'll be a fun one. Uh, Joe Ryan and Michael Kobeck will be facing each other in Twins. White Sox, uh, Patrick Sandoval and Steven Matz will face each other in Angels, Cardinals, couple of lefties, the Albert Pujols Revenge Series, too. Uh, Anthony Descalfani and my How About That Hunter Brown will face each other in Giants-Astros. Freddie Peralta and Ryan Feldner will face each other in 
Brewers, Rockies at Coors, Graham Ashcraft and Michael Waka in Reds, Padres in San Diego. Logan Gilbert and Mason Miller will face each other in Mariners A's. That's a fun matchup. And matchup of the night comes from Diamondbacks Rangers. It's going to be Zach Gallen versus John Gray. Uh, yeah, that's, um, I mean, for Zach Allen alone, you should be watching that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, on a Wednesday, Diamondbacks, Rangers, that'll be Andrew Heaney facing the Diamondbacks. Uh, you will have Luis Sessa and Seth Lugo, two former relievers in the in New York, going against each other in Reds, Padres. That's pretty cool. Aaron Nola will be facing the Dodgers for the Phillies. Shane McClanahan will be facing the Pirates for the Rays. That's a series to watch. Um you will have Marcus Stroman going for the Cubs against the Nationals. Shane Bieber going for the uh, Guardians against the Yankees. You will have Dylan Cease going for the White Sox against the Twins. Kyle Gibson and Zach Greinke in the Who Can Be More 39 series, even though <laughs> Kyle Gibson's 35. Yeah. Shohei just, Otani. That's just permanent age. Shohei Otani and Mike Miles Michaelis will be facing each other in Angels Cardinals. Um George Kirby will be facing the A's for the Mariners. And matchup of the day comes from Giants-Astros. It's Logan Webb versus Framber Valdez. It's a good one. I mean, if you're if you're oh in the God, stands. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, if you're in the stands. <laughs> I forgot about sorry, that. Sorry, you're not getting a souvenir. <laughs> that's this, a great point. This, yeah. Hey, Dude, that's like the that's like the Otani Trout of like ground ball guys. If you're what an awesome matchup. If you are the grass, I mean, you're having a rough day. Yeah, honestly, that's matchup of the week. Yeah, I'm not even. I I don't even know if I want to go through Thursday now. Matchup of the day, I guess, is Max Fried versus Jesus Lizardo in Braves Marlins. Yeah, I gotta end it on Logan <laughs> Webb versus Framber Valdez. That is incredible. Like, yeah, for context, they are both. Like sixty percent or above ground ball rate, guys, and they're so. also like they get the most innings out of guys like that. Yes, <laughs> by yes, far. Yes, so yeah. expect like twenty five ground balls. Oh, that's the so Astros awesome! That's so awesome that they're facing each other. I'm gonna watch that game. I'm not gonna have anything to do on Wednesday. Oh yeah, no, me neither. Honestly, I think I think we need to put that one on in the living room downstairs. Yep, yeah. My dad's. Oh wait, no, you're gonna you're gonna be somewhere Wednesday afternoon, aren't you? Um, we're planning on wrapping up a little bit earlier because it's reading day, but okay. we'll, we'll sort well, that but out. But you have paper, right? Yes. Okay. But we're trying yeah. to sort that out. No, we need earlier. to make an event out of that one. Yes. We, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to, it's an interleague matchup. How often are you going to get this again? It's like, it's going to be like the, the minions TikToks where <laughs> people show up in suits. I'm going to try to, yeah, I'll, I'll dress up nice for that I'll, one. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll wear a suit for, <laughs> for Logan Webb versus Framber Valdez. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. So yeah, watch that game, please. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you are uh, listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, want to view the digital content, you know where to go. It's the YouTube channel. It's called Above Replacement Radio. And uh, if you're listening on YouTube and want to watch the and you want to uh, listen to the podcast only audio, you know, be able to go on your phone, look at your Instagram feed while you're listening to ARR. Um, go to uh, the Apple Podcasts and Spotify and uh, and yeah, listen to. Those streams, they are called Above Replacement Radio. If you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter, at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram, at Daniel underscore Kern. And follow the show Instagram, at Above Replacement Radio, for all the show needs. We hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you next time, where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation. Is over. Is over.